online, on your smart speaker, and around the world. This is BC Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Paranormal Show. I'm Mr. G. I'm going to take you late into the night and I'm going to be discussing various different massacres. Well, since this is a special show dedicated to Valentine's Day, we're going to discuss the St. Valentine's Day Massacre in quite some detail. Some of it will be quite fascinating. But I'm on my own tonight, so there is no touch. She is with her partner and enjoying Valentine's Day. So she's left me here all alone in the studio. So, yes, hauntings, the dead, the death of many people, the massacres around the world, and some in England and Great Britain, and a couple I had forgotten about as well. But before we start on about massacres and have on 14th of February 1929, seven people off the Chicago's Northside Gang were gathered in Lincoln Park. Yes, and the rest is history. So we'll be talking that in quite some detail. But first of all, I think we'll have a little bit of music. Uh, just to put us in the mood for a little bit of Valentine's Day romance, should we say, for the least.
so back onto Valentine's Day massacres. Yes, it was a very interesting morning the day this happened. It was Thursday, February the 14th, in 1929. Seven men were murdered at the garage at 2122 North Clark Street. And this was in the area of Lincoln Park, uh, a neighbourhood of Chicago's north side. Now, the men who were shot, there were seven of them all together. They were shot by submachine gun, and they were also shot by shotguns as well. But two of the shooters were wearing police uniforms, and the other ones were in suits and ties and overcoats. And witnesses saw the men who were in police uniform leading the other men at gunpoint out of the garage after the shooting. So was all this planned? Well, so this happened at the garage in Lincoln Park in Chicago on the 14th of February 1929 and at half past 10 in the morning. So the victims included five members of the George Bugs Moran's Northside Gang. There's a mouthful and a half. Um, Moran, second in command and brother-in-law, Albert, uh, alias James Clark, was killed along with Adam Heyer and the gang's bookkeeper and business manager, Albert Wayneshank, who managed several cleaning and dying operations for Moran, and gang enforcers Frank Gusenberg and Peter Gusenberg. So, yes, they were shot with submachine guns and two shotguns. Um, it has never actually been worked out who shot these people. Uh, Chicago police officers arrived uh, at the scene to find the victim, Frank Gusenberg, and he was still alive despite being shot or at least having 14 bullets put inside him. He was taken to hospital. Uh, doctors stabilised him for a short time and the police tried to question him. When the police asked him who did it? He reported replied, I won't talk. For God's sake, get me to hospital. And he died three hours later. So, a, a tragic death. A horrific death, to say the least. But why? That is uh, one of the big questions that we probably put down to gang warfare, as we would say today. Um... Because as we go through these and through the massacre of St. Valentine's Day massacre, you will come across some very, very interesting names. So, on that note, I think we'll have a little bit of Set Fire to the Rain by Adele. Fault. 
So the massacre was an attempt to eliminate Bugs Moran. Uh, Bugs Moran uh, was the head of the Northside Gang, and it was reported that Al Capone uh, was behind the massacre. But, believe it or not, Al Capone was at his Florida home at the time. But it was rumoured he was responsible and ordered the massacre. Uh, that was the North, sea, North Side Gangs. So, why? Well, it was all down to gang warfare from what we gather. But up to now, no one has ever, ever been charged or put anywhere near the massacre. Now, massacres have happened all around the world. And I was looking through a list of UK massacres over the years. And there were some I had forgotten about as well. And some... Um, that um, we we still put them down as massacres, but because it didn't say massacre at the end of it, you might not think of some of them. So we'll go on to them uh, in a little while. And But today's programme is dedicated to Valentine. And yes, there's much love out there. I hope so, anyhow. Um, and I hope that you enjoy my show, and if you do, Pop over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash BC Radio and buy me a coffee. All money goes straight into our funds, and without our funds, we would never be able to broadcast. Each and every one who is involved with the radio does it free of charge. Our presenters, producers, behind the scenes, our fundraisers, yes, everything is free of charge. That we do. But we do it because we love it, and we are a local station that went national, and then we have gone international as well. So, yes, pop over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash BC Radio, and, yes, uh, drop me uh, a little coffee. I would much appreciate it, Um, and so would every member of our team. So we are talking about massacres tonight. Uh, and in particular, online, on your smart speaker, and around the world, this is BC Radio. And I was about to say, in particular, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. So, as I was just saying, there's lots and lots of different things that have happened around the UK, uh, Great Britain, Ireland, uh, Scotland, and many around the world as well but some that I had forgotten about and some that I didn't actually put down to a massacre. But we'll come on to those in a little while. But in the meantime, because we are a paranormal show, we would love to hear about your paranormal experiences. So drop them in to me on an email. It's studio at bcradio.co.uk and we'll get them and we'll have a discussion about them and see where that takes us. We would love to hear from you and your experiences. I've had many, and I can go on and on about the experiences I've had, and I, I will do. I don't mind. It's not a problem. I love talking about my experiences, but I would love to hear about yours as well. So, back onto the massacre. And no one has ever been charged 
with the massacre, which is um, some going for since this happened in the 1940s at half past 10 on the 14th of February. Now, sorry, that wasn't the 1940s, was it? It was 1929. Um, where did I get 1940 from? I have no idea. Well, there you go. Never mind, not to worry. Um, slip of the tongue, yes, 14th February 1929, and seven people were murdered. They were shot with submachine guns and shotguns as well. So, why did it happen? The plan was to get Moran into the warehouse on the North Clark Street. Uh, the, the idea was to kill him and get him out of the way with his three lieutenants. Again, this is all down to gang warfare. And in the warehouse was a large supply of whiskey. Um, so uh, all this uh, was in the warehouse. Uh, and there was a lot, a lot of whiskey from what I remember. And they wanted to get the Moran and his gang out of the way. And it was Capone who was said to have initiated this massacre because he wanted control. He wanted the gang out of the way. So, which is the best way to get someone out of the way? Have them killed and dispose of their bodies later. But they never actually got round to disposing the bodies. Uh, they were left there for the police to identify and pick up the pieces afterwards. But that does not when make a lot of difference. And I have no idea what's going on tonight, but he's thinking out loud. Will your mouth still remember the taste of my love? Will your eyes still smile from your cheeks? Darling, I will be loving you till we're 17. Baby, my heart still fall as hard at 23. And I'm thinking about how people fall in love in mysterious ways. Maybe just a touch of a hand. Well, me. Never grow old, it's evergreen 
had arrived at the warehouse just before half past ten in the morning on February the 14th. But by some stroke of luck, Moran wasn't there. He had actually left his hotel uh, late that morning. And he and fellow gang member Ted Newbury uh, were walking down the street approaching the rear of the warehouse when they saw a police car. So they doubled back on themselves and went for a coffee, like you do, uh, where they encountered gang member Henry Gusenberg uh, just outside the coffee shop. So they warned him uh, about the police car. So he turned back and disappeared as well. Now, the Northside gang member, Willie Marks, was also spotted the police car on his way to the garage. But this time he took down the license plate number so he knew who they were. Uh, and then he also disappeared into a doorway so not to be recognised or picked up by the police. So, yes, it's a, it's a major, major operation, this. And what a day to do it on. A day of love, should we say. Yes, Valentine's Day Massacre. Now, Capone's lookouts likely mistook one of Moran's men, which was probably Albert, who was the same height and build uh, as Moran himself, and they were built the same as well. Uh, and just by chance, they dressed that morning, both had to be wearing the same colour of coats and hats. So, witnesses outside the garage saw a Cadillac uh, pull up uh, in front of the garage, four men emerged and walked inside. Two of them were dressed as police officers, which is quite clever. And two of them uh, were dressed in smart clothes, suits, ties, overcoats, etc. Um, they were also carrying shotguns, and as we now know, they were also carrying... Um, automatic machine guns as well. So, yes, they were out to make themselves known to end a problem. So, 
What happened next? The fake policemen ordered the men to line up against the wall. This is very, very harsh. They signaled to the pair in civilian clothes who had come in with them. Now, two of the killers had opened fire with their Thompson submachine guns, one with a 20-round box magazine and the other with a 50-round drum. They were thorough spraying their victims left to right, even continuing to fire after all seven had hit the floor. There were also two shotgun blasts, and they were to the faces of John May and James Clark. Now, according to the coroner's report, their faces were no more. It was their, their faces were obliterated. That's a bit of a mouthful to say, obliterated. But there they go. They had no faces left. Wow. What a horrific scene. To give the appearance that everything was under control, the men in the street clothes came out with their hands up. They were prodded by the two uniformed police officers to make it look real, to make it look like the police had control. Now, inside the garage, the only survivors in the warehouse were Mary May's dog, Highball, and Frank Gusenberg. And despite, like I said, having 14 bullets inside him, he still survived. But he never, ever gave any information to the police, nor did he identify his killers. So, a very well-oiled machine, a very well conducted massacre and all this happened early one morning in February the 14th in 1929 and then you were supposed to have a song but I don't know what's going on tonight because nothing seems to be working and when it does work it's doing something that it's not supposed to be doing and my machine isn't working and i don't like it when my machine when you, work. it's not fair you hold me oh there you go the uh, no you say this is what happens so uh we're just going to do that for a second and uh, we'll go and press a couple of buttons and we'll continue with our story of massacres around the world I'm going to come back on to some of our massacres that happened a little bit closer to home. And some of them that weren't that long ago. Um, so some of them you will remember when I mentioned them. And then some of them you might think, oh, never heard of that one. But they still happened. And some of them you might not think as ma uh, massacres either, uh, because we haven't got the word massacre in them. But there's actually more massacres than we think or at least remember about uh so where do i start m62 in west yorkshire 12 people died and 38 were injured there was a bombing of a coach carrying servicemen and their families and that was uh, blown up by the provincial irish republican army uh back in 1974 now, I don't remember that. Uh, I would have only been three years old at that time. Uh, now, now you know how old I am. Um, then there was other ones, uh, like the Birmingham pub bombings. 
Two bombs detonated in two uh, Birmingham pubs, uh, killing 21 and injuring eight, uh, 182. That was also 1974, the 21st of November. Um, I've got written down here. Uh, what else have we? Let's have a look. We've got the Lockerbie disaster. Uh, again, we don't use the word massacre. We use the Lockerbie bombing or the Lockerbie disaster, which killed 270 people. A bombing on a Pam Am flight uh, over Lockerbie by a Libyan terrorist. And I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. The damaged plane fell into the town of Lockerbie. All the passengers and crew on that flight were killed. And there was 11 people on the ground uh, killed as well. When you hold me in the street and you kiss me on the dance floor, I wish that it could be like that. Why can't it be like that? Cause I'm yours. We keep behind closed doors every time I see you. Dying little more Stolen moments that we steal As the curtain falls It'll never be enough It's obvious you're for me Every piece of you It just fits perfectly Every second, every thought I'm in so deep but I'll never show it on my face But we know this We got a love that is homeless Why can't you
So just imagine the warehouse where this happened. These seven people who had been shot over and over and over again. Imagine that energy that's left there. The death that surrounds it. The agony. The fear. And even more. Now I wonder if the building's haunted. I wonder if these men are seen walking around or are they just seen against the wall waiting for their destiny which was to be shot over and over again with submachine guns and two of them shot in the face with a shotgun wow how how do you get over something like that even if you are dead how do you how do you come to terms with the way you died or is is it because of something like you are involved in gang warfare that you expect it at some time? Perhaps, I don't know, I'm not involved in gang warfare. Um, so that rules that one out. I haven't got a clue. Are you expecting to die one day as you walk around the corner? Or do you think you are invincible? Well, that still leaves us with the point is that when you die and you die a very horrific death the the spirit of the body is there locked into the walls the building etc etc does this mean that building is definitely haunted are these men here to get revenge are they here to put things straight are they here because they have no choice and the rules stipulate if you die a horrific death you will you will remain here forever and nothing upon nothing or anybody can do anything about that online on your smart speaker and around the world this is bc radio so i wonder how these people feel whether people see these shadows, they might even hear the gunshots and the submachine guns going over and over again. Perhaps that energy hasn't left that building. Perhaps this energy is still here, still waiting to be investigated. And perhaps if we did investigate it, you may even find the answers that the police still have not got. On February the 22nd of the same year, so just a few days after uh, Valentine's Day, um, the police were called to the scene of a garage fire on Wood Street and they found a 1927 Cadillac disassembled and partially burned out and they were determined that the killers had used the car. They traced the engine number uh, to Michigan Avenue, uh, which was just a car dealer, where he sold the car to a James Morton of Los Angeles. Uh, the garage had been rented by a man calling himself Frank Rogers. 
and he gave his address as 1859 West North Avenue. This was the address of the Circus Cafe. Well, there you go. Uh, a former St. Louis gangman, uh, a former St. Louis gangster, uh, Claude Maddox, had owned it or had operated the Circus Cafe. And he had ties to the Capone Gang, the Purple Gang, and the St. Louis Gang, and including the Egan Rats. So Claude Maddox was a very popular man, to say the least, uh, being involved in many of the gangs. So did he have anything to do with it? There's a big, big question. The police could not turn up any information about the person's name, James Morton, or even that of Frank Rogers. But they did have a definite lead on one of the killers. Ooh, interesting. Now, just minutes before the killings, a truck driver named Elmore Lewis had uh, turned a corner a block away from 2122 North Clark and sideswiped a police car. He told the police he had stopped immediately, but he was waved away by the uniformed driver, and he was missing a front tooth. Ooh, it gets interesting, you say. So the Board of Education President, H. Wallace Caldwell, had also witnessed the accident, and he gave the same description of the driver. Police were confident that they were describing Fred Burke, now, he was a former member of the Egan Rats. Burke was also a close companion of James Ray and were known to wear police uniforms whenever out on a robbery spree. So it's all making sense now. Burke was a fugitive and he was uh, a murderer and wanted for robbery and murder in Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii? Uh, Hawaii. Uh, and the police also suggested that Joseph, uh, a close relative, was also wanted and was one of the killers as well. It's getting interesting, isn't it? I'd forgotten about all this. So, yes, so the gang people often wore uniforms. I assume this was to disguise them and to make them blend in so people would not recognise them and get away with a murder, and at which they did. They killed seven people. And as far as I'm aware, no one has ever, has ever been charged with a single murder.
Now, before I tell you about a little twist, and yes, there is a little twist to the story, we have a brand new website. It's www.bcradio.co.uk, and on that site we have everything you can think of, from contacting us to live chat to donations to buy me a coffee, etc., uh, etc. Et all our shows are on there, and all our presenters are on there, and it gets updated on a regular basis. Whilst you're doing that, how about popping over to Twitter and giving us a like and a follow on Twitter as well? And then when you've done that, pop over to Facebook and do exactly the same there. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, our little twist now. As we were talking about these seven people who had been murdered, shot violently, and shot in the face. Now, the police had announced that they suspected Capone gunmen, and we've got names of John Scalise, Albert, and Salami. I think that's the way we say it. Uh, Jack McGorn and Frank Rio, who was a Capone bodyguard. Now, they charged McGurn and Scalise with the massacre. Now, the little twist came here where Capone then murdered Scalise and Asalami and Joseph, uh, who was also known as Hot Toad, in, in Granita in May of 1929. Uh, he had learned about their plans to kill him as well, so he got there first. And all charges were then dropped against Jack. A very interesting twist to the story that he took out the main people who we think might have done the murder. But it was still never, ever proven. So uh, a very clever and lethal combination. Thank you. 
massacres and the dead and how people have died from uh, massacres like these seven people who were shot and two of them shot in the face how much energy is left in that building are the dead still there haunting it now I've never actually investigated a haunted location that involved a massacre I've investigated where there's been many deaths over different periods but that doesn't make it a massacre at all. Um, so I, I wouldn't know what to expect. Uh, I would imagine that you would get a lot of cross-references, uh, and I would imagine there's quite a lot of errors that would be picked up because people would want to be telling their story, getting their point of view across, and if unless you were there for days after day after day, you wouldn't get a full picture uh, of what happened and you wouldn't actually figure out who you were talking to, uh, particularly at the very beginning, because there's seven of them in the building. So, yes, it'd be, in some ways, be very, very interesting, if not quite dark to do. It could be quite unnerving to investigate something as, should we say, as evil as a massacre. Because at the end of the day, it's not a way you'd want to die. Certainly not the way I would want to die, let's put it that way. Uh, now, when I die, I'm going to come back as a mischievous a ghost. So how are you going to come back and visit the real world as we know it? Put your experiences down, or your ideas of how you are going to come back, and drop them onto an email for me. It's studio at bcradio.co.uk 
and I will have a look at them, and one day we will do a program about them. So drop them in into an email. It's studio at bcradio.co.uk. I'm sure you know it by now. So, my experiences, my ideas, my thoughts. Now, I've been experiencing dead people from the around the age of seven. Now, I'm a paranormal investigator. Do I believe in ghosts and spirits? Yes, I do. 95% of paranormal investigators don't believe. That leaves only five of us who do. That's 5% of us who do. Um, I could, if I wanted to, uh, use my other powers, which would give me more spirituality and give me uh, mediumship. I choose not to use those powers as a rule. Um, I don't want to use them. I want proof that something does exist. I want to be able to say, this has happened, that's happened, and there's your proof. That would be my overall uh, findings uh, and be able to turn around and say, yes, it was me who figured that out. Now, I've got things on tape, I've got things on camera, I've got things on film, I've got things on cameras and et cetera, et cetera, but that doesn't give me proof, not particularly. Uh, I have investigations where we've recorded on camera, uh, something's happened, say, on a talking board or on a Ouija board, and something's happened on the ghost box, and we're getting the same answers uh, on every single one. That is absolutely brilliant, but still does not give me hard evidence. So I want this hard evidence. I want to be able to say, yes, it is real. I capture a ghost and stick it in a glass jar. Can you see it? Can you run experiments on it? If you could do that, then it becomes real. It becomes scientific. There is no proof. Otherwise, uh, we are fighting a losing battle with our scientists because they do not believe what they can't see, which is fair enough coming from them, I suppose. So what's your experiences with different spirits and things that have happened to you? Again, drop them on an email to me, studio at bcradio.co.uk, and we'll get them discussed. Um, many things have happened uh, over time where we've done lots of experiments where people have been taken poorly. Uh, they've had to leave the room because the amount of energy that's been in that room, they have become poorly and had to leave. It's not that we will let them leave on their own. Uh, one of our team uh, crew, whoever is available, will go with them. Uh, if we've got plenty of people around, obviously we will not leave them on their own until they have recovered. So don't worry about that. Uh, we've had people have uh, scratches. We've had people um, who have seen things, who have been touched, who have been poked, they've had hair pulled. And I remember doing a ghost tour uh, many years ago in the centre of Coventry. Now, before we get onto the story, someone said, oh, I had my hair pulled. He said, well, that's what it felt like. And she described it. Now, the strange thing was, on that tour, we did actually tell them 
that there was a ghost or a spirit who liked to touch ladies' hair and would sometimes pull it as well, especially if you were blonde. He liked blonde, wavy, curly hair. And this lady told us this before we told her the story. And she swears blind that she didn't know anything about the story. So, you have to start believing, don't you? You have to start thinking that this paranormal stuff must be real. Oh, and again, uh, a lady came up to me and said, by the way, there's a gentleman sat on one of the tombstones, uh, but he's not real. He said, she said, I know he's not real. I can tell he's not real, but he sat there. And um, many people on that tour also saw the same gentleman. So many things, again, happen, and you have to take them at face value. Now, a funny story is something that happened many years ago with a... I'm going to use the word medium very loosely. Um, he was a nice, nice enough chap when he first started, but he got uh, too big for his boots, should we say. Uh, and we were having quite a few problems. But one night, I was on a tour uh, up in Warwick, and I met, which is very strange for me to do this, and very strange for it to happen to me, a gentleman on a horseback. Uh, now, this gentleman is about 1,400 years uh, old. He is now, anyhow, he goes back to about 14, he goes back about 1,400s. Got a lovely, lovely horse, and he's dressed in armor. And apparently, he protects Warwick. He is one of the soldiers that marches around Warwick to make sure everything is in order. Now, he told me his name was Sam, and um, I've often seen him in Warwick. And sometimes, if things are really, really stressful. He will follow me home, or part of the way home, and then disappear. He's also been seen on other locations uh, a long way from Warwick as well. So quite uh, unusual for me to see something like that. But this medium I was with at the time um, also said that he had seen somebody on horseback and I said, oh, that might be Sam then. So Sam made himself known. And to my medium, uh, what my medium said was, he's on a very large horse, but he doesn't like me. And I went, why doesn't he like you? He said, he pulled his sword and said, I ought to be very careful of what I do. Well, there's a threat and a half. Look into my eyes You will see What you mean to me Search your heart And when you find me there 
Tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen, is all about massacres. Why? Because it's a Valentine's Day. Well, it was yesterday, which just brings me on to something I've just seen. So it's Valentine's Day yesterday. So today being Thursday, that means all the flowers are reduced in the supermarkets. So anyone who hasn't brought, bought any flowers, pop over and get your flowers and damasite cheaper than you did yesterday. I'm just putting it out there. But we're talking about massacres. And I'm going to come back to 2017, believe it or not, the Manchester Arena bombing. 23 people died at the uh, Arane Grande concert uh, in May 2018. I've got two dates here. Um, So... Uh, oh, I see what happened. Yes, in 2018, uh, 800 people, uh, they had changed the figures and they had put the figure up to 888. I'll try that again. They put the figures up to 800 uh, who were injured in the uh, arena bombing. But 
like I was saying earlier, we don't think uh, that as a massacre. We we think that as Manchester Arena bombing. We don't say the Manchester Arena massacre of May 2017, where 23 people, 23 people died. We say it was the Manchester bombing. So as I was going through these, I was thinking, oh, I never thought that as a massacre. So it's quite uh, strange in how we look at things. Like, we've been discussing the Valentine's Day massacre um, in quite detail. Um, and there's nice, some nice little twists and turns in it. But that says St. Valentine's Day Massacre. That was the headlines. Uh, happened on the 14th of February, 1929. Yet the headline said Manchester Arena bombing. So we don't always think that they are, the two are linked. Or we don't put them on in the same category. Now... Um, there's a lot more that's happened. Uh, 2019, the London Bridge attack. Uh, three people injured, three people killed. Um, Reading uh, in another Islamic terror attack. Again, three people were injured and three people were killed. Uh, that was 2020. But we wouldn't put that down as a massacre. Not as a rule anyhow. So... Uh, do we start looking at things differently? Or do we leave them as they are? Let's go back to 7th of July 2005, the London bombings. Four coordinated terrorist suicide bombings in central London. Uh, it was the United Kingdom's worst terrorist, terrorist uh, attack since 1988, which was the Lockerbie bombing. Again, neither of these have been put down Massacres. Uh, so why have we got away from the word massacre? Why have we changed it to London bombings, the Manchester Arena bombing? Um, but 1996, 13th of March 1996, up in Dunblane in Scotland, a school shooting murder-suicide, the deadliest mass shooting ever in the UK. 17 people were shot dead and 15 people were seriously injured. But we use the word massacre for that one. This is getting very strange. But the Lockerbie bombing, we didn't use the word massacre. So what are we doing? Are we going to class the, these bombings as massacres? Or are we not? I have no idea why or what. Or is it just... A play on words. Um, well, we'll find out as we go along, I, I suppose, through life. Uh, and yes, why not? If if that's the way we want it, that's the way we can have it, really. It doesn't actually worry me which way around it is. It's just that when I was doing the research for tonight's programme, I never thought about some of the ones that are on the list. So... That is what made me think about it. There used to be 
Your roses in bloom. 
It's the glue on the grave. So, what a lovely day to be talking about death. Yes, we can't get away from it. But the word massacre that we, like I was just saying, is we don't always use the term. Uh, and although massacre is hard to define, we mostly use it, the term to describe a killing of a large number of victims. But we could also use that under the words of war crime or crimes against humanity. But that would still be a massacre, but we normally use the word massacre to describe a large killing, normally by the same person as well. So, what are we going to do? Are you going to investigate somewhere that is notorious? Would you investigate a known massacre site, like the one we have been talking about, and would you want to go in alone? Would you want to go and do a loan, a visual in there? Well, there's a question and a half for you. Part of me says, oh, yes, definitely. And parts of me is saying, no, don't do it. But I think it would win, and I would definitely go in trying to find out the answers to the questions that have remained unanswered for many, many years. Now, um, I've never investigated a massacre, so I don't know what I would expect. But today is full of love. Yesterday was Valentine's Day, and I hope you had a really lovely evening or daytime or weekend, whatever you are doing. I hope you really enjoyed it. But... I'm still talking about death and demons and evil and spirits and massacres that happened on Valentine's Day. Now, going back to the Valentine's Day massacres, or as it's always put in the press, St. Valentine's Day massacres. Um, as we know... Um, Capone was involved in some way. He had people killed so they couldn't give evidence, and he had them killed because they thought he thought he was, they were going to kill him. So, um, yes, why did they kill him? Apparently, at the warehouse and the stroke garage, there was a large amount of whiskey, and it was all to do with gang warfare and getting the cheap whiskey out of there. Now, uh, obviously there were several people suspected and Capone had them murdered. The case went very, very quiet uh, between May and December of 1929. <clears throat> and then in 1929, the Sheriff's Department raided St. Joseph's Michigan bungalow uh, of that of Frederick Dane. The registered owner of the vehicle driven by Fred Killer Burke. Now, Burke, who I mentioned earlier on, had been drinking that night. He then ran and 
did another vehicle and then drove off. Obviously, completely drunk out of his head. And a patrolman or policeman, Charles Skelly, pursued and finally forcing him off the road. Now, Skelly hopped onto the running board of Burke's car, uh, which was shot, and he was shot three times. It's a bit silly, really, wasn't it? The light killing over there, and the light killing all these people that are involved in the St. Valentine's Day massacre. Now, um, he was shot three times. He died of his wounds that night. The car was found wrecked and abandoned just outside St. Joseph's and was traced to Fred Dane. By this time, police had photos confirming that Dane was actually Fred Burke and he was wanted for by the Chicago police for his part in the St. Valentine's Day murder. So it's getting all very complicated uh, and very deep and very meaningful. And uh, yes, just think now, seven people died on that day in 1929, uh, shot by a machine gun, and two of them were shot by a shotgun, and their faces were removed beyond anything that you could imagine. Now, would you want to go and investigate somewhere as evil, perhaps, as this? Perhaps it was not evil. Perhaps it was just gang against gang. And they allow this sort of thing to happen. I don't know. I I, I would be very surprised um, if the area was quiet on the spirit front. I'd be very surprised if you didn't pick anything up. But I'd also be quite surprised if you picked anything up in some respects because there's seven of them there that belong to a gang that might not want to talk to anybody. They might want to keep their stories secret just as they did when they were in the gang. They would have been sworn to secrecy, etc., etc. Now, will they tell us the story that answers to the questions that remain unanswered? Or will they say, oh, it was such and such who shot me? That would be very, very interesting to find out. But would you want to go and investigate? Drop me an email to studio at bcradio.co.uk with your experiences, with your thoughts, with your ideas. And I'll have a look, and maybe they'll end up on our radio show. Also, if you pop over to our website, which is brand new, so it's just been built, uh, on there you've got buymeacoffee.com. Click on that and buy me a copy because I really, really could do with one. And all the money does go into our funds to keep the station running. Now, other experiences, things that have happened to you, things that you have seen, things that you have witnessed. What have I witnessed over the years? I've probably witnessed all sorts of different things from orbs, uh, to shadows walking across doorways. In fact, I was at a church hall uh, not all that long ago, and as you came into the church hall, you could go three ways. You could go into the toilets, uh, left or straight on, 
Um, you could go into the cleaning cupboard and you could go into the hall itself. Now, we were filming at the time and we have footage of this, luckily. Uh, you have to be quick on the footage to actually notice anything um, because if you look the wrong way or blink at the wrong time, you will miss it. Now, the doors had windows in them, but they weren't clear windows. They were the fire glass windows, so you couldn't actually see through. Now, people kept saying that they thought they saw somebody walk past the doors. So, um, several people said this to us, and what we did was quite simple, is we got one of our X cameras and we positioned it so it was filming the doors from inside. We made sure that every member was accounted for and were inside the hall itself. And we filmed and filmed and filmed, and eventually we got the footage of a black figure that appeared to walk past the door. All you could see was a outline of what looked like a gentleman, and he appeared at the door window, and then he disappeared. But he didn't vanish, he walked away. So there you go, there's something quite interesting, something fascinating that we've caught on camera. But does that make me believe? Does that make you believe in the paranormal? Does it? Or are we looking for more? Are we looking for something out of the ordinary? Are we looking for something that doesn't exist? Because about the amount of evidence that I've got from photographs uh, to personal experiences, I have enough to convince you that there is something out there. I'm not here to convince you. That's your choice. I, I don't ram my ideas down your throat. I tell you my experiences. Whether you want to believe them, or whether you don't, that's entirely up to you. Uh, and if you don't believe them, and believe you me, I've come across a lot of people over the years where I don't believe in this sort of thing. I've only come with the wife or vice versa. Or it's the right load of rubbish. I've just come with my husband. And, and now I'm sat on the fence. What you've done and what you've shown us tonight gives you something else to think about. Whether that's from a human pendulum to using a Ouija board or something that's happened uh, or someone that's seen something or having your hair pulled it could be as simple as that so drop me your thoughts your experiences uh, on an email studio at bcradio.co.uk and we will get them uh, looked at and discussed so we're talking about massacres uh, Mr. G on BC Radio. Mr. G's on BC Radio, and that isn't supposed to happen. Uh, and like I was just about to say, we're talking about massacres. We're talking about death. Why? Because it's St. Valentine's Day. And all you happy people out there who went and bought roses, etc., etc., I hope you all had a brilliant day yesterday. Uh, I'm going to play a little song for you, uh, which takes us back uh, to, well, uh, quite a long time ago. In fact, I don't even know when this came out. Tonight. I've 
Well, that wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, I have no idea what is going on in the studio tonight. Um, we'll get our tech team to have a look what's going on um, and see what happens next. Anyway, um, oh, there you go. We've got some more music. Uh, but, hey, I guess what? I still don't know what's going on. Oh, no, there we go. It has stopped again. Right. We will try that again in a few moments. Um, but we're talking about massacres tonight. We're talking about killings. Um, we're talking about dead people. We're talking about our experiences. Uh, and would you even think about investigating a site where a massacre uh, happened? Would you do it? Uh, would it be respectful to do it? Uh, would that depend on how old the massacre was? Because if it was something recent, it may not be advisable to do it. You could be upsetting a lot of people. People do not want to know or hear about um, things that have happened, and it could be a very personal experience. So um, we're talking in-depth about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which happened on Thursday, February the 14th in 1929, and it was all to do with gang warfare. They wanted control, they wanted everything, and that is what this murder, these murders were in, about. Uh, there were seven uh, Chicago mobsters uh, shot and they were shot horrifically, um, and two of them were shot in the face with a shotgun. So, a very prominent, very moving story. So, what we're going to try and do now, I'm going to try and bring you some a little music. Uh, I was going to try and bring you the lady in red, but it doesn't want me to do that. 
So how about a little bit of Berlin and we'll see what happens.
Well, I have no idea what's going on in the studio. I've just been told that we've had power cuts elsewhere as well. But we are still here. We are still talking to you, I hope. And I hope you can all still hear us. Uh, we're online. Everything is working. Um, and all the lights are flashing, which makes my life a lot easier. Um, but Valentine's Day, a day of love or not, in our case, uh, um, St. Valentine's Day murder, where seven people were shot uh, using shotguns and submachine guns. But there's lots and lots more to take you down, lots more different stories and experiences. Now, um, a young couple in love were tied to a tree and tortured and killed. Yes, students Jesse McBain and Patricia Mann, who were 19 and 20, were a young couple out for a walk on Valentine's Day back in 1971. It was their final walk. They would ever take, they would never take another walk. 13 days after they entered the wooded area of Durham, uh, that was North Carolina, their lifeless bodies were found. Fully clothed, but covered crudely by leaves. The couple had been tied up, and both had been strangled to death. Evidence pointed to the, to the killer or killers, repeatedly tightening and loosening the ropes around their necks as a form of torture, or perhaps it was just a way of prolonging the killing itself. No one was ever caught for this crime. So happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Now, on the eve of Valentine's Day 2021, a private birthday celebration in a sleepy seaside resort ended in a bloody murder. 66-year-old Penny Jackson stabbed her 78-year-old husband, David, three times. There was a motivation for the killing, and the motivation for the killing was supposedly Nothing more than an argument over her choice to surf, bubble and squeak with the gourmet evening meal their dad had sent them in a lockdown. So this all happened in on the eve of Valentine's Day 2021 during lockdown and over an argument she killed her husband. Now during the trial later that year, recordings of the aftermath of the crime were beamed around the world with the recording of Penny Jackson's 999 call and body cam footage of her arrest going viral. I killed my husband because I had enough, the bullet and squeak murder said. So, yes, happy Valentine's Day again. So, getting uh, something of a tradition, isn't it? Who I'm going to kill, I'll kill on Valentine's Day. So a wife uh, hires a hitman uh, to kill her unlucky husband. Snellville, uh, Georgia, Richard uh, Showak was looking forward to Valentine's Day in 2010. And he was due to meet his wife, Stacy, at the local park so they could exchange cards and gifts. It was their third wedding anniversary and Richard was excited to see his lovely darling wife. 
um, gladly adopting her three children after becoming her fifth husband. But she never, ever showed up to the park. That was the last Valentine's Day that they had. Uh, and it did not come to anything. So, Valentine's Day, is it a good day to, uh, to kill people? Well, we don't know, do we? It seems to be a very popular trend over the years. Um with lots and lots of things happening and lots of murders taking place, including that of the St. Valentine's Day murders. So, um, and as I was saying, um, there's not always the words massacre used, but uh, 1819, 16th of August, a massacre that often gets overlooked. And this was Manchester in England. It was the Peterloo Massacre. 15 people were killed and 4,700 were seriously injured during a large outdoor political demonstration for male universal uh, suffrage in St. Peter's Field. So that was another one, but we used the word massacre there as well. Um, but a lot of the other ones, uh, as we've reported or talked about tonight, we haven't. So... Does that just depend on who's reporting it? Or does it depend on something else? So June 2010 in Cumbria, I'm sure we all remember this one, 12 people were killed and 11 people were injured, but that didn't go down as a massacre either. Uh, 2020s uh, in Reading, there were uh, three stabbings where people died and three people were seriously injured. Uh, and that was, again, a, a terror attack. So, are they massacres? Are they something different? Is a terror attack different to a massacre? I'm not really sure. But let's have a look what Tina Turner has got to do with it. There's a phrase that fits. 
she's had a good time and she will be back on our next uh, show which will be next week uh, we are hoping to go twice a week uh, sometime in the near future uh, we've just got to get some planning in and get our shows sorted and then we will be hopefully twice a week uh, we have also other plans and we also got plans to take you out and about and take you to haunted locations uh, from Birmingham down to Warwick, Stratford, and beyond. Now, a funny story in Stratford, whether you believe or not, is that a lady was killed. I will go into detail on this uh, at some point in the future, but for now, she was murdered, and uh, she was a nurse at the local hospital. And when she was murdered, her body uh, was taken to the local graveyard and her body was stripped of all her clothes and they were scattered across the graveyard. The next thing they did was take a gravestone and they tied it to her. They took her down the river and threw her in. She sank because of the gravestone. She was found by the police, etc., etc. Nobody was charged with her murder. But people today still state that they can see people or a lady in the water trying to escape. People have even jumped off boats to try and save this lady to find nobody upon nobody there. Ooh, spooky, isn't it? Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so uh, another love story, or was it? Perhaps it was, perhaps it wasn't. But I do hope you've had a lovely time on Valentine's Day. We have been talking about murders and massacres tonight. In particular, a famous massacre. And it was called the St. Valentine's Day Massacre back on the 14th of February 1929, where seven people were killed. They were shot to death and two of them had their faces shot out. A lovely, lovely date for them and their families. Now, would you want to investigate somewhere as horrific as that? 
Do you think the energy would still be around? Do you think that the dead would talk? Or will they be like when they were living and sworn to secrecy, telling us nothing, not the answers we would like to know? No, nothing. I think it would be quite quiet, but still very fascinating to find out if they would talk or not. So that's the Saint of Valentine's Day Massacre. I do hope you've not been involved in one this week and this year, because uh, over time it seems quite a popular day to get a massacre onto the front page of newspapers. So that is about it on our massacres and our events for tonight. What I would like to say is drop me your paranormal experiences, your ideas, your ideas of death or what happens after death. It's studio at bcradio.co.uk and pop over to our brand new website where you will find everything about the radio you can possibly think. And while you're over there, if you really do love me, please, please drop by and buy me a coffee. Everything is there. It's linked direct from the website. Just remember this, ladies and gentlemen, without funding, without you, without our listeners and our dedicated team of volunteers, and that's from our presenters to people behind the scene, uh, everything is volunteered, and we would not be able to continue without your support. So drop by, buy me a coffee, and buy me two if you really, really, really do love me. So on that note, I'm not going to lecture you anymore. I'm going to bring in a little bit of George Michael and Careless Whisper.
so I hope you have enjoyed our show tonight. It's been wonderful talking and chatting with you. Uh, so, yes, it was all about massacres and death. What a day. Murder, death and massacres. What more could you ask for on such a lovely, lovely day called Valentine's Day? So I'm going to leave you now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, please, please, before I do go, though, please don't have nightmares. Uh, please sleep well tonight. But before you do go to sleep, I would advise you to check under your beds and in your cupboards because you never know what is lurking or what is waiting, what may be visiting you tonight. So I hope you had a wonderful Valentine's Day yesterday. Everything's been about death, murder, and I'm going to leave you with my funny Valentine. My funny Valentine, sweet comic Valentine, you make me smile with my heart. Your looks are Each day is Valentine.